Are you curious about, interested in, or working within the field of anesthesiology and you are a woman, person of color, or otherwise do not fit the stereotypical image of what an anesthesiologist looks like? Then this is the podcast for you. We will discuss what life is like on the other side of the blue drape for us. Issues most relevant, such as what is anesthesia really? And we're not talking textbook definition. Tips for applying, success in residency, life as an attending, and beyond. Join us each week as we take a dive into this rich and often misunderstood field. This is your host, Dr. Alicia Peterson, and welcome to Sivo Sisters. This journey is isolating and tough. As Dr. Mitchell says in this interview, Residency is the same amount of studying or more of medical school while carrying a full-time job. In this part two, we will jump into Dr. Mitchell's journey into medical school and beyond, where you will appreciate the importance of community, mentorship, avoiding comparison, and how your attraction to anesthesiology can help orient you to your best place within it. Okay, so you went straight through, you got into Mm -hmm. the San Antonio Medical School. You had this very much like open abundance mindset. Let's all share in the bounty of- Yeah, and I I will say that I credit my my SNMA family were just so key to me enjoying every aspect of, of medical school. People say that they didn't enjoy it, but I- really legitimately loved medical school because I had this group of people that were just amazing um, and supportive and wonderful that I didn't know when I came there. I didn't know anybody in San Antonio. And I remember sitting on the like shuttle bus from the the car ride into our first lecture. And I sat down and a black girl sat down next to me and I was like, oh, like, and she was on her phone and I was on my phone and I was like, well, maybe we'll be friends, but maybe not. I don't, I don't need friends. I'm going to be a doctor. <laughs> and oh <my> gosh. <laughs> like, I was like, I, I have enough friends. I made so many friends in undergrad, like those will sustain me. Who needs more friends? And ironically, we somehow started talking and both realized that like, we actually had mutual friends who were starting medical school at a different place at the same day. And like, literally like we never looked back. And so was so key having that support system there because they were there when in a lecture, somebody would say something and we're like, did you all, did you all hear that? That's right. That was bad. Right. We, we all agree that was bad. And we studied together. We, we rewarded ourselves together. Um, and it was, it was such it's so key to me having a wonderful medical school experience was having that community. Um, and so we kind of all kind of bonded through SNMA, but Literally, we still have a text thread to this day where we <laughs> still chat and talk. And so I um, I went into medical school and I was just a thousand percent sure that I was going to do primary care. Mm-hmm. So in Texas, the majority of people of our graduates go into like a primary care field, whether that's pediatrics, internal medicine. Um, and so I was like, oh, I'm going to be like primary care. And then I was like, maybe I'll be a psychiatrist because my major in undergrad was psychology. Cause I was like, you know, this medical school thing doesn't work out. I will be a, like get a PhD in psychology. And then I found out what it took to get a PhD. And I was like, maybe that wasn't a good background. <laughs> <laughs> Probably wouldn't have made it very far in that route. But first learning how to study for the 
for test. There's a lot more of that learning how to study, how to study effectively, how do I learn best? Um, it's okay not to, to compare myself to like everybody else. And I won't be great at everything that not every mm-hmm. subject am I going to like ace through and be effortless with, um, which I think is a humbling realization to come to. I think medicine tends to t- attract a lot of really high achievers and you're used to just being on top of the, on top of the world all of the time. Mm-hmm. And medicine is a humbling experience because you will not be on top of the world at all times. Um, and if you are, you're probably not realizing that you're not on top of the world, <laughs> yeah. you know, need some insight. Um, and so being okay with, you know, or learning that you, you just may not be the best in your class at everything. I love how, again, you stress the importance of community and support and how it's okay not to be like the top of the class. Because guess what? Um, what do you call the person that graduated medical school in the bottom half of their class? Right. Doctor, right? Yeah. So you thought you were going to do primary care. When did the shift happen? Like, what was that sentinel experience for you? Planning my third year clerkships, I was like, I'm probably going to do primary care. And surgery was like my second or third clerkship rotation. And I was like, well, I think that I'm not going to be a surgeon. Like, um, I also tend to be a little, you can't tell from this, but I tend to be really introverted. And I feel like surgeons were very extroverted and mm. here I am. And I'm like, okay, I'm in the background. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I, when I, when I designed my surgical rotation, I was like, well, how can I I was like, how can I maximize this experience while also not doing the things that I don't really want to do, which is be a surgeon. So I signed up to do surgical oncology, vascular surgery, and then anesthesia. Cause I was like, well, if I had, like, I was like, if I had to be in an operating room, surely I would like to be the person who's not operating. And I thought, oh, if I do vascular surgery, like they may not let me touch anything. And so I'll just stand oh! and really enjoy it. Um, and then surgical oncology, I was like, it just felt like a really um, kind of unique, you know, to get to cut out cancer. Um, and ironically, I loved all of that. Like, I love surgical oncology. I loved vascular surgery. They were like, here's a saw, cut this off. And I was like, I get to cut off somebody's leg. This is awesome. Like, I had such a fantastic time. And I was like, well, I was like, I still don't think I want to be a surgeon, but this is amazing things that they, you get to do. And I did anesthesia and I was like, this And it was just like the world, the axis of the world shifted. So I was like, oh, you guys get to do all of these procedures. There's so much that you're thinking about at every given moment. You, while I'm introverted, I also really like to talk to people. And there's like connection that you make with patients that I think is a like an unsung area of anesthesia. People are like, well, you just like knock all your patients out. It was like my second or third night on anesthesia. And I was on call with a resident and we got called to the ER to intubate somebody. And I was like, oh, you just like, we just go down there and intubate somebody. And it was sadly a, like a seven or eight year old child mm-hmm. who had gotten hit by a car and they were getting ready to like crack his chest open. And mm-hmm. it was chaos. Like people, people were screaming at every, and then I just looked at the resident and he was very calmly like standing at the head of the bed, just in control, calm. And I was horrified. I think I held it together while I watched this, the most horrific thing I've probably seen. And I was just in awe that he wasn't frozen in this moment. Like he was just 
He went to the airway. He got his equipment ready. He intubated. He was communicating clearly with everybody. And he just felt like he was the calm person, like the eye of a hurricane, like everybody else is spinning around and things are flying, but he's standing there just in control, calm. And it's like making everybody else feel better despite the chaos of the situation. Mm. And I liked the idea that I could be that person, that I could, you know, be this calm person, even though I saw the situation, I was like, oh, I could never be calm. Cause I think I promptly, we left the ER and I like started hysterically crying and he's like, you should just, you should go home. And I was like, but I'm, I'm cold at night with you. And he's like, yeah, but we just watched a child die. So maybe go home. Mm-hmm. And despite that being like the first moment that I kind of fell in love with anesthesia or realized what it could be, um, it was after that I was, there was no looking back. I was excited to read about it. Um, I, you know, I was excited to wake up and go to work in the morning. And then I thought like, well, maybe there's other things I could do. And so continued to go through the rest of third year thinking, but always came back. And I remember my friend who I sat next to that first day on the shuttle she also was like the same as me. We were like, we're going to go into primary care. We're going to do it. And I remember at the end of third year, like we were looking at each other and I was like, I don't think I'm going to do primary care. She's like, me neither. I was like, I'm going to do anesthesia. She's like, me too. And we were like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> we're like, okay, then. Um, and so we of our actually of our friend group, three of us uh, in our class uh, of my like, kind of black friend group, three of us went into anesthesia, um, which was really a, a great, I think in the beginning, we were all very nervous to like kind of talk to each other about what we were doing and thinking and where we were applying. And then we realized that we were applying to all of the same programs. Mm-hmm. And then me and her were like, actually, can we coordinate when we go so we can save money <laughs> on the interview trail? Um, because interviews were in person at the time and a lot of programs didn't um, pay for you to go there. And I was like, I don't have money to fly around the country um, seeing right 12 different programs. And so a lot of my interviewing was uh, based on programs that I really liked, um, but also we coordinate, I coordinated with her and we're like, well, we're going to Chicago. I'm going to interview at this place. And she's like, well, I'm going here. She's like, well, my boyfriend's mom lives outside of Chicago so we can stay with her. And I was like, great, I'll rent a car. And then like, we would just, um, you know, (laughs) we like couch surfed, but the two of us together. And then it was also like a mini vacation because every time we went somewhere, we're like, well, we're going to be in Philadelphia. So like, let's enjoy it for a day. Yeah. Uh, but it was, re- I really loved having somebody that I could, you know. Yeah. I'm like, well, what did you think of this place? Um, so good. That's so good. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, that, so that. Again, I go back to that community sense is like so, is so key and having. It is. It is. I mean, it made that whole process, it sounds like for you, you know, it, that interviewing is just so terrifying to people. Yeah. Uh, and to be able to walk it with someone you trust, someone you've walked the journey <laughs> with, and you, you just totally turned it into just, oh, this is just another exploration. Like we're exploring yeah. the city, we're exploring the program. Let's have fun. Yeah. Like, and sometimes, oh. again, we weren't like always interviewing at the same places or on the right, same right. days, even, but we were just, I was like, oh, well, like there's four programs in Chicago. So we like just like mm-hmm. coordinated. Um, and so I really thought I was going to stay in Texas for residency, um, mostly because my family's all there and I knew 
Texas at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I interviewed at WashU, I was like, oh, this is this is, seems like a good place. Like, I really think they're like, they're cutting edge research. I'm not really a research person. I never, I was sadly never, or maybe not sadly, I was never drawn to the research path. And I um, didn't like doing things just to do them. Like I wanted to do it because I wanted to, or added, um, it gave me an experience that I I actually wanted to participate in. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really do research in undergrad or in medical school, but I did a lot of volunteering. I, you know, we, I did a lot of leadership roles. And so I did things that I was drawn to. And I think living your authentic journey is okay, right? You don't, we're not all going to be basic scientists pipetting something in a lab. We're not all, not everybody loves volunteering. Not everybody loves, you know, global health. Like, and I mean, so, I totally understand why you would say that. I mean, you know, yeah. coming from the WashU program myself, I mean, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, you know, bubbling with everybody having their hands in something, right? Um, <laughs> and so I remember thinking like, oh, I'm not getting it at WashU because they're going to be like this, this little girl cannot did not cut it and with the, with these people, um, with these highfalutin researchers. I felt like everybody here was so smart and I was just a regular, I felt like a regular person and this felt like the upper echelon. And so I remember being really surprised when I opened that letter on match day, um, but very excited. Um, yeah. And how was residency for you? Um, so I think residency, I think residency is hard. Um it's hard for a lot of reasons. One is, you know, as hard as it is to study in medical school, residency is like a full-time job plus the same amount of studying, if not more that you need to do from medical school. Um, And so there were aspects that I, but I also, I think I approached residency thinking it was going to be like being hazed all the time, right? Like I thought it was going to be like being online and like, I was going to be like constantly like physically, emotionally, financially tortured. (laughs) And then I got to residency and I found it wasn't quite as bad as I pictured. And maybe that was how I didn't, I had a fun time in residency. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I think having that mentality kind of saved me from (laughs) having disappointed expectations because I thought it was going to be much worse than it was. Um, The other thing that I think I had in residency is like, I, again, I found like, communities of people that really helped me navigate, you know, there are, you know, I don't know of any hospital system, any place on this earth that doesn't have microaggressions, racism. Mm -hmm. And it's so nice to balance those things with other people and to talk it out and to have um, support. I think when I got here as an intern, I realized that there was a black female OB anesthesiologist from Texas. And I was like, well, she's going to be my mentor. Like I refuse to let any, I remember one of my classmates was like, she's going to be my mentor. And I was like, no, that's mine. Like I've got this. <laughs> I've claimed her. Yeah. She, she can only mentor me. Um, that's untrue, but talk about the big influence of that mentorship, right? Yeah. Having that person there. Cause again, I had somebody I could talk to. I could be like, is it okay if I wear my natural hair? Is it not okay? This person was also, you know, like pretty high up in the department. And so like, I feel like I got advocacy, a lot of like, and just support when I, I wanted to do things and done, like I really wanted to go on a global health rotation. And so I did that. And like, I also got really amazing clinical training, which was another huge goal. Like I wanted to be that calm person mm-hmm. and to see a lot of chaos and 
sick patients and like have the ability to take care of whatever walked in through the OR. And I think that's what, that's what I got here um, out of training. And so I am incredibly grateful. It was. um, And then how did you make that? Cause you ended up doing an OB fellowship. Yeah, I did an OB fellowship here. So as I mentioned, my mentor was an OB anesthesiologist. And so I was like, oh yeah, like I like OB anesthesia, but I like regional. I, I like a lot of things. Like I like everything. So like, don't pigeonhole me into this one thing. And she's like, okay, you know, like we can explore. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go. And I I think I loudly proclaimed I was going back to Texas and that I was just going to go into private practice. And the more I did OB, the more I, I, it was always my, my favorite rotation. I love that it's more chaotic than the normal chaos that happens in a hospital. You know, like there's always something exciting happening on OB. Um, there's no predictability because babies come and do whatever they want. C-sections happen. So I loved the idea of always being on my toes and you get to connect with patients. So I like get to talk to you through really challenging points in your, in your life and, or really exciting points in your life. And there are huge, huge maternal mortality disparities amongst black women. And especially in this country, but also really like the idea that I could to be an advocate and to be potentially a comforting face. Like, um, and so I, I loved all of those things about OB anesthesia. And so I still thought I was going to do private practice. I can't remember the exact turning point, but I found that I really liked academic medicine. And I guess it was probably chief year when I started to explore what I wanted my career to look like. I think I felt like the academic setting was going to feel more like a home. And I really wanted a fellowship if I was going to stay in academics. And so pursued OB anesthesia. And then it, and then I was like, well, maybe I won't stay in academics. Maybe I just start my career here. Now we're, I, I don't even know if I'm in mid, mid-career. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you did your OB if that was not at WashU. No, it was at WashU too. Oh, so was? I stayed here. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I know. I became a lifer here. <laughs> <laughs> what I appreciate about this interview with Dr. Mitchell is how she encourages us to avoid comparison and leverage our strengths. Your journey is your unique story. It is your life. And as a Black woman in this country, you are carrying extra weights in your life backpack. This will make you stronger. Black women account for less than 3% of all physicians. You have strengths that mean more than just a test score or an honor on a clinical rotation. We are seeing more new Black women CEOs and presidents in this country. Claudine Gay, first Black president of Harvard. Rosalind Brewer, CEO of Walgreens, the Sonda Brown Duckett, president and CEO of TIAA. These are the only two Black women who are currently CEOs of a Fortune 500 company, which is record-breaking. Expand your mind. You are focused on medicine, and I get it. That's your path right now. That's what's in front of you. But recognize that your journey is grooming you for an expansive, beautiful life that is actively in the process of unfolding. So do not compare yourself to anyone else. Your destination is not going to be the same as theirs. To shift a little, pay attention to that initial experience which attracted you into anesthesiology. 
For Dr. Mitchell, it was being that eye of the hurricane, that sense of calm in a sea of chaos. So she goes into OB anesthesia, the perfect place for her, because I'm telling you, there is not a more chaotic place than in OB. Reflect, what inspired you to go into the field and explore more of that? Establish mentorship, which we cover how to do that in season two, episode five. You recognize that you aren't alone. We have a Facebook group called Sivo Sisters where you can ask questions, just be yourself, no judgment. And there is the Evelyn E. Henley Society, which is a part of the National Medical Association. Don't be alone. Join a community. Allow us to all carry this weight together. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Sivo Sisters. If you love this episode as much as I did, head on over and rate and subscribe so you don't miss out. New episodes drop every week on a Monday because we all can use a little something, something to get us through the week. Am I right? I'd love to hear more from you on the topics that you want to hear. So let me know in the comments. This is Dr. Peterson signing off. See you next time.